0: Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby. My name is Maureen Thrasaniruil and on this week's show we look back at a very entertaining and dramatic weekend of rugby in the company of James Downey and Lindsay Pete. How are we both doing? I'd say we're all a bit giddy after Friday night's magic in Marseille.
1: God, coming down, yeah. Trying to build back up. It was absolutely unbelievable. Like, talk about that Friday feeling. Um, I was probably honestly a bit sceptical going into the game because obviously our history were going away to France and you know I know Andy Farrell spoke about no hangover but you just don't know what's in the back of people's minds and when you get to France and stuff like that but not even that I suppose just trying to take the game rather than let it come to you. But by God, did they! there's certainly no hangover. Yeah, nobody saw that
0: coming. 21-point victory in France. That was our biggest ever margin against France. Only our fourth victory ever in France. So it was like a dream start. What was key to that clinical performance, do you think, James?
2: I think think it's that inner belief that the the players have, the squad have. um, Because I think outside of the group, People were kind of saying it's going to be close. Bookies was three, four points to the French, four points to the French, I think. And you kind of say, yeah, you know, going into the South of France, it's such a difficult place to go. I would have nearly preferred Paris because the prison crowd, you know, would be a more kind of business crowd, a little bit more corporate. South of France is the heartland. It's really down there and they're really behind it since the World Cup. Everything has led to a French victory and this group come together and no matter Johnny's gone that's forgotten about we're not even going to talk about him today mm-hmm. it's because it's we've moved on now and that line is drawn and these players stood up to a man the bench the whole staff and what a start to the, to the Six Nations you know you can lose a grand slam in the first game you can still win the Six Nations but to have done that now and everyone as you say is buzzing that Friday feeling of it's Italy next we've got good momentum we've three more home games to mm-hmm. play and yeah it's exciting times
0: Absolutely. We spoke last week about the importance of set-piece execution and our worries when it came to the line-out because of what happened in the World Cup. But 13 out of 13 line-outs, Paul O'Connell deserves a lot of credit for that. Let me that. take my
1: hat off. <laughs> um, and
0: uh, for all five tries came from line-out source as well. So it was just an exceptional performance from 1 to 80.
1: It, look, it was fantastic. And yes, we did. We, we explicitly said that the set-piece... You know, there was a lot of talk about... Jack Crowley and whoever'd come in at ten and and how they'd perform, but the you know no matter who your ten is and even the enigmatic you know Johnny Sexton would need that platform and that launch to to be that uh, you know that provider between the the conduit between the the backs and the forwards and look hats off to Paul O'Connell there was just a different air about them and and, and James can agree or disagree like there was in the World Cup it was kind of nearly that inner that inner insecurity maybe you could see come out they weren't as confident you could see that in their body language but by God that was out the window they were confident their speed across the ground just even um, they weren't worried about you know sometimes you want middle to back to really like take out basically eight you know of the full line out eight uh, French defenders but there was no worry about where they won the ball they just won the ball Um, and that's key like and to be 100% return on on a line out which was you know one of the kind of key areas that let's be honest was inconsistent and malfunctioned at time during the World Cup um, I thought they were absolutely sublime and so much so that they obviously turned over two French balls one of them on their five metre line I was like that yeah. like that says an awful lot when you're confident enough because if you're going up on your five metre you have to win that ball because otherwise if if the French win it they're just going to maul you over the line so to have that confidence uh, and turn it over um, and play out and and gain t- you know much needed uh, territory at that stage it was just It was a joy to watch especially as a forward knowing when it's just not working at line-out time it can be a tough place to be.
0: Yeah, as you said it wasn't just their attacking line-out that was purring Mm -hmm. it was their
1: defensive line-out as well so what was the key difference in what they were doing? when you're defending a line out you ha- like well if you watch them they mirrored so they had absolutely done their homework on France they would identified their jumpers uh, when you reduce a line out it's easy to identify the jumper so for example if they're in a five man line out you reduce your options as, as a jumper um, so I just think they're, and their speed to get in the air like there was questions about if we, you know, jump Big Joe and we'll go on to him, like uh, how he would possibly impact the line-out but he'd bring positives in the all round game. That lad can get up in the air as well. There wasn't anything that he could not do at the weekend. Um, so I just thought their confidence and the speed gets people in the air and to to mm-hmm. win that ball. They just had their homework done and they were confident in it. They just owned it. They just knew where they were going. Mm-hmm. Got up in the air and stole the ball.
0: One of the major talking points going into the game and possibly major worries was would we be able to match the French's physicality and they were well able for that the work rate as you mentioned Joe um, McCarthy showed but every single player the tempo and the pace that they worked at and they fought for every little moment
2: Yeah they certainly did and I think um, like the big calls before the game were obviously who's going to go in a second row and, and I think Joe McCarthy justified selection in that regard and you see someone like James Ryan who was kind of hard done by you know and you go jeez that's unlucky they've missed out on that but we mentioned Joe there and he was outstanding Ty Byrne I thought was absolutely sub- unbelievable sub-line. his turnover is just round the park everything is line at option when you have those options then you mentioned it there you have Peter Manny, you can get Joe up you can get Ty mm-hmm. Byrne, and it's great to have those threats for uh, attacking or defensive line you know but across the board every player stood up to a man and I think it's I think the six-two split as well worked out quite well. Um, I think you've got to match, take each game as I saw it, take each game uh, on its merit and go right. This French side are physical; let's kind of combat that. Do I see it going forward? No. I think we're going to go five-three from now on. But I think that six-two was right, and like everyone just gave absolutely everything out there, and we had the bench then of quality players coming on and, and just keep that momentum going and keep the French under pressure because, you know, not many teams can say. They've gone to France and, and score five tries. I'm sure um John Edwards would be counted on one hand how many times mm-hmm. away from home he's conceded five tries. Rare, you know, he was put under that much pressure. So he was very um,
1: complimentary though, wasn't he? In yeah, his post match. He was to be fair
2: to him. Yeah, and and that's like for him, that's the challenge of the, the coaches against each other of how do I get one over him and right. and that would gripe on him. He was complimentary, but behind closed doors he'd be fuming, you know, because as he'd say some of them come off the line off the malls at the end of the game and he'd probably see them as a little bit soft, but you've got to give credit to the Irish. But some well, of them I think are they drop balls actually. as well,
1: he was alluding to and actually not you know, it's alright having possession but it's actually what you do with that ball and mm. I think at key moments they just turned over the ball and I think that was a big and they were they out were of sorts do you know but uh, I noticed that the actually Ireland's attacking line was really really deep so it negated that really like line speed you either negated with kicking or you negated where you're just really really deep that, that they have so much space to come up under and I thought but they kicked so well as well they, absolutely so they varied their game but um, yeah I think that, like we have to complement the pressure our own uh, players put on France now I do think France were a source, and I would said it prior to the game if we and it's anyone who's played France or know the French themselves it's not in their nature like they, w- if we could score first we'd silence the crowd and really put doubt on them um, I think the big key area for me that I thought was going to be a worry was uh, Luku and Jalibur I was like right these guys play at Bordeaux we've obviously spoken about how unbelievable they have been in the, in the European Cup they can absolutely light a game and split open Um but they probably showed that when the backs are against the wall they're not great at managing a game from a different angle and a different style of play mm-hmm. and I thought then everyone fed off that like not one player kind, excuse me, kind of stood up like even uh, like Janti and um, Fiki was like obsolete like mm-hmm. yeah. not one moment did they have this big powerful like I was kind of worried about Janti um, as well like, Dante I was like this lad could run over it's like the midfield battle will be key but non-existent
2: I think as well that flips onto your mentality of coming from Bordeaux coming from the top 14 of playing the whole time yes the international side like to do it but an international rugby in a game that's so tight sometimes when you do lose someone like a Dupont that you just need that control exactly mm-hmm. right the game management just when to kick kick well and not just run everything because you could see there's glimpses of when Jalibar and, and Nuku connect connected they look dangerous but when they're not going forward it's a different story you know and and then you need to Mm -hmm. kind of sit back get your forwards going forwards play the percentages and and play the simple game really but again credit to Ireland I think and and you mentioned Dante there and I thought that they isolated him quite well and and, oh defensively yeah Yeah. and they always had a front door option and someone out the back and that was key because the French were so unsure about who they were taking and we saw it for um, Tygburn's try and even when Bundy was making short ones short bursts of someone out the back and it's second guessing them that you're going to get a soft shoulder and get through, which was again, just things starting to click.
0: Everyone was an option, weren't they, on the attack? Talking about Big Joe now, he was so influential in that win. What has he added to this team?
1: Yesterday, I I was on something else chatting about this and and I actually surprised myself at the analogy. I, I... picture him as like this bouncer He was just like taking no more crap and removing people from coppers. Like that's the way, there's a <laughs> bit of dog in him and there's a bit of bite and he just takes no shit. Like he just doesn't and we probably, if Ireland have any if we've any qualms about ourselves over the last couple of years we've probably been too nice. Like we haven't been ruthless. But your man stepped in and here. I'll, I'll show you ruthless. He just he made shit at our breakdown. He carried ball. I said this before we, we said speaking about Leinster he's ridiculously mobile for a big guy and um, lots of comparison to Etzebeths over the weekend now he's far from that at the minute but I mean he, the guy is 22 and he's just literally burst on the scene if he can continue on this trajectory who knows where he'll go um, because you know with experience bring game smart and, and, and look the other flip side is people are going to start to know who Big Joe is so he's going to get a lot more attention from the flip side and that'll be the question now Going through this championship if he continues to play. Um when he is getting a bit more of attention, how is he going to react to that? But listen, hats off to him. Um twenty-three work rooks, nine tackles, nine carries. Um yeah, he was just sublime. Do you know, he really, really was. And uh, he really probably gave that injection of of an ingredient Ireland were missing, especially going away to the places like France where they just needed to bring the game to France. Um and yeah. Very impressive. He
0: certainly has a bright future ahead. Like, what impressed you most about his his performance?
2: Um, well, like firstly on some of the stats that you see about him, like it's nine carries. Oh. It's they're nine devastating carries where gain line carries gain line yeah. every time. Defensively, he makes an impact with everything he does. Um, I was going to say youthful enthusiasm, but it, I think he's more than that. You know, it's he goes out. What's my job? Gets told to do it, and he goes out and just does it, like he goes, okay, I'm going to smash him, I'm going to hit him not just soak away, everything's impactful in what he does and look it's that athleticism and size that we know as Irish people we don't normally produce and and he's got it and it's kind of been that been that X-Factor thing that we've come up short against teams you know, your Will Skeletons, these these big players when we play La Rochelle and these bigger French sides that we struggle sometimes, but we have one now in our own in our own side and he just, just shows the damage he can do and yeah look the challenge for him now is that people know who he is and what he can do but then that creates space for someone else and they still have to stop him you know everyone knows about your skeletons and heads a bets, and still have to stop them and it's bloody hard you know so for him look, just so impressive his attitude he's a smile on his face like his whole family are over there and, yeah. and loving it which is great and uh, it's all encompassing for him and and he, as I say for me it's, he plays with a smile on his face and looks like he's enjoying it and and does damage out there, you know, and it's it's great.
1: well one of my moments was like, you know what an introduction let me introduce myself to you Mr (laughs) Aldridge and like he's put he put Gregory Aldridge on on his arse and he he drove him back so uh, yeah I think he did a nice introduction that's like a firm handshake isn't it yeah
0: it was a huge night for Jack Crowley as well there was so much pressure on him going into this game but he looked so composed not everything went his way of course in the first half in particular but he was able to just dust himself down go on to the next job and he performed so well he'll take such confidence from that performance
1: yeah, um, I think I think it was Michael Walsh maybe in in the Indo who oh Dennis
0: Walsh yes. Dennis Walsh yes.
1: was it who wrote about uh, the stats about Ronagara who had to be I think actually as well, um, Mr Lennon, uh wrote last or said last night and off the head or off the yeah against the head he said that they had to take him off against Scotland just after half-time and then obviously uh, Johnny Sexton in his debut against England missed four kicks and we forget about that We don't remember those. We do not remember that so if you're to compare that this young man made six out of seven kicks he missed the straightforward one but he made the ones from the sideline look absolutely very, very easy Um, Yeah, he wasn't perfect but I mean like we can now finally close the 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 glass cabinet with Johnny Sexton's boots and jersey and he now has to be put on a pedestal where he deserves but it's now time for Jack Crowley to shine and hopefully build a bit of consistency in that 10 jersey and make it his own he probably did try and force the game the grubber kick was the best idea no because we we'd numbers that's okay um, but as the game went on he grew and um, and there was not another nice point whether it was because they wanted to keep France uh, tight in the rook with their carries they just played an awful lot off 9 and then he was very deep at 10 so I think he didn't get an awful lot of cheap shots at him which I would have thought right if tar- France are going to target us grand they might target our breakdown mm-hmm. but they'll definitely try and target A new player inexperienced with a lot of pressure and a lot of talk pre-game so um, I think there's only maybe one kind of hit on him that I saw but what I loved is it didn't matter about the mistakes he still stuck by it he grew into the game and the fact that he just owned it and continued to play was the one thing that really stood out for me and you know I just huge congratulations and very proud day for for him and his family What did you like
0: about his performance?
2: Um, Yeah again on Lindsay's point of uh, drawing defenders on I think again for that tight burn break he Mm -hmm could have given the ball nice and early but he drew the defender onto him I'm not sure who it was I know they isolated Dante but he did take a big whack when he gave it you know and he was taking some of the He doesn't check those physical You can't though you can't yeah. like, and he's he's got to be able to, to bring more to it you can see Johnny takes his hits towards the end of his career and he was going down then but it's part and parcel of being the 10 you're going to have big lads running down your channel if you shy away people are going to go for even more and there's no hiding place so the more you stand up it goes back to the kind of Johnny Wilkinson days of like he could hit you know if you ran at him he'd hit you and you know all about it and some tens wouldn't and you target him you know and some people might have targeted Rog and run down his channel because might have been a, a perceived weaker defender but that's the way it goes and especially at international rugby I think Jack stood up in everything he did agree he made some wrong decisions again hindsight wrong decisions but at least he's trying things out there he'll grow he's going to grow even more from that and the confidence is I think for him is that he's got this under the belt away from away in France he moves on there next week and that's he's only judging his last performance he's got to keep these standards now and he's not going to be all of a sudden rested because Johnny's back in it's forget about that you're in control you're in the driving seat this is your side steer the ship around you know and he's it's exciting times it really is yeah. you know and for such young players to do it it's, it's great to see it that, really is.
0: that's the thing these young players Calvin Nash was another player who made his Six Nations debut and crossed the try line he said he was so nervous in the build-up and that Andy Farrell had a quiet word with him on Thursday night which really settled him and he texted Keith Earls as well just mm-hmm. to settle the nerves but he has put his faith in these players and it's always about the team and they're all pulling together they're all they all know what their role is and that's probably why it's so seamless for these young players to just fit in because the team have faith in them they have faith in their own confidence and they all know their roles
1: yeah like andy farrell seems like a guy who his emotional t- intelligence is ridiculously high so to be able to bring these young players in make them feel at ease he's obviously a very open guy who allows them to make mistakes and he's trying to instil a confidence in them that they just need to play they need to play heads up rugby obviously he has to have a game plan so the overall cohort of players under him are, are singing off the same hymn sheet but essentially um the fact that he can name that with Calvin Ashton, and say how are you feeling I can see you're a bit nervous Mm -hmm. and allow him to chat to him kind of gives him that confidence that he can just play and make mistakes but stay in the game stay in the fight just keep playing Um, and they're the key moments for any team any individual any collective that you just stay in the moment you will make mistakes I make mistakes great Jack Crowley's make mistakes like growth mindset your high performance with your own teams that is what we're looking for mistakes are good not you don't want to make them all the time but when you review them and improve them mm-hmm. that's the growth that we see but you have to be open to the fact that you're human and every you know Every defence isn't going to give you. You can do all the reviews you want, but they're not going to give you that same setup all the time. You know, something might work for them and you have to own that decision. But Calvin Ash was highest meters made. I think 76 he made. He, he does exactly what he did for Munster. He gets on the ball, he looks for ball and he drives those legs and he never stops kicking, you know. So, um it was an exceptional try started off actually by Robbie Henshaw it was quiet he was probably in and out but um, he drew defenders what an offload off the ground to Caelan Doris who just then put Nash yeah. in the corner don't know what his celebration was about but maybe he might tell us
0: <laughs> he said it was something to do with the lads at home that he had some kind of bet with them or something like that after oh, yeah. his post-match very yeah. good but um, Andy Farrell deserves a lot of credit for this positive environment he's created and there was no sign of this World Cup hangover that we thought they might have after their quarterfinal defeat to New Zealand and he said that they're not they discussed that they spoke about it they moved on it's always on to the next job
2: yeah again it's um, Lindsay mentioned there it's a growth mindset of parking it you analyse it you deal with it and you move on because you can't live in the past you got to keep going forward and I think with Andy Farrell been involved in 4 World cups being around different coaching staffs and, and line sides he's learned an awful lot and you can see what works and what doesn't work and what he feels work and what players buy into and don't buy into and then you create your own uh, your own brand I guess of what he wants to do and he's instilled that in his team and he goes okay from all these high performance teams I've been involved in that works this is work let's combine them together and you see what you're getting with the Irish side and everyone's buying into it and everyone's happy they know their game plan doesn't phase him yeah. if someone comes in and drops out, yeah. and that's what you want to have. You want that competition for players. You want him to be so comfortable to go up to a player before a kickoff and go, oh, "Jesus, see you're nervous there, there." You know, and some players will go, "Oh my God!" Like you're highlighting it. Oh, is it that obvious? You know, yeah. and you'll he, overthink things. But for him, it's just like, no, just go out right there, and it's backing the players to to do what you're doing for your club and just produce what you're doing. And Calvin Ash is certainly the one who. Like he doesn't stop running for stuff, you know, runs down kicks. He make he can make a bad kick into a go kick with a great chase, yeah. and he certainly did that and, and deserved his chance.
0: It was an almost perfect performance, but they'll no doubt have work ons that they'll be looking at and they'll want to build on this performance. Now, the scrum and the amount of penalties they gave away, they gave away eleven penalties in total, three of them at the scrum. What was your read on that, Lindsay? Is it just the perception of the front row now when it comes to Ireland?
1: <sighs> Beaten a front row myself. Like three penalties, not ideal. But considering two years ago when we were absolutely destroyed at scrum time, and Antonio gave us so much hassle. Porter giving a shift and a lot of penalties that day. I think three isn't bad. Um, it wasn't perfect. John Fogarty will want to work on that. But when you have a hugely big pack, now I know Willemsa would have been a big impact for them for his size. Uh, being a lock in in there, but um, I still think it's still not bad it's not ideal it's a work on but it could you see the thing is when you're not confident and you're giving away penalties to scrum time it can actually capitulate so the fact that again it was inconsistent but they stayed in the fight they got some good ball off it we'll take it it's not, it's not ideal but we will have to have improvements with the likes of um, Italy pr- won't pose us that many problems mm-hmm. but against the likes of Scotland um, who have experienced front row against England depending on who they play but they still marler Genge mm-hmm. uh, Dan Cole that will be Jamie George like so they've experienced front rows but I still think uh, I still think we can kick on probably one key area we were talking about a lot of young players playing up I think now we really have to start unearthing uh, like our hookers are great we've we've loaded them but probably now props wise we need to start unearthing uh, a few more
2: Do you buy into I guess for the front row do you buy into the whole narrative around the front row now that everyone's all made of porters bringing the attention of referees and um, like you know something goes down and they're going okay that's against Porter because I've seen him do it because there's loads of analysis online now and you see yeah. your Alex Corbisieros you see um, BJ did, Bote, but yeah. sort of, like, and obviously front rowers who can analyse it and okay great when we yeah. can watch it back and go oh he's hinging here yeah. but because like, referees do work on on the front rows. okay this is what this fellow does and I've got to keep an eye on him
1: it is about pictures and I was a very aggressive uh, loose set and okay. uh, so if I got a good hit I'd naturally you'd naturally kick you see then some teams will start letting me take the hit and then you're reeling yeah, yeah. so if they've done their homework uh, so there had to be like thankfully Eilish Egan was very experienced with me as a tie head and that's a very people don't understand the relationship between tight and loose so if, I, if I'm if i dominant to my side I'm really going to put a lot of pressure through the tie head so then Eilish back off there in the hit so she because you want to promote your tight hit Mm. so um, also it's pictures so is my elbow short I need to go for a long bind Um, it really relies on like I put so much pressure on my flanks I'm like you absolutely better be perpendicular to me because (laughs) Porter, like myself I'm sure you know when your hips are out they're they're, mine essentially are a big big product to look at so they're easy to kind of you know so it is about pictures and that's Mm. what referees are looking for especially ex-pros who might be in the backs and and they are not they're not inside the head of being in that position because it's very different it's like a wrestling move so it's pressures and you're trying to negate and you're trying to keep the scrum up so there's a lot to it to be honest but Mm -hmm. yeah I do agree I think that I essentially I mean the amount of referees I had to try and butter up was ridiculous you know because I was in their bad books because if I wasn't arguing I was then painting poor pictures I wasn't asking what they needed me to do and he probably needs to do that now like okay uh, fair enough if you've seen what you've seen what what you need me to do yeah. to get back in your good side mm-hmm. and I think that's the relationship now he has to build and this comes from someone who had to put their tail between their legs because what you feel is a good job it doesn't matter you're not the referee at the mm-hmm. end of the day and if you're costing your team penalties in key positions we really need to look at it so yeah, I'd say there weren't a bit that of many it.
0: scrums in the game though. No. Oh thank God! Thank, yeah, so Ireland were focused on the line out and keeping the ball alive as well. But um, France, they'll be very disappointed with that run out. Where does this leave Fabien Galthie now? That was the heaviest defeat under Galthie. Um, do you see them improving? They have brought in seven new players after that defeat on Friday night um, for next week's game. How do you see the rest of the competition play out for them now?
2: Um, look, I expect them to bounce back, to be honest with you, you know. I think that group, just because of one game, I wouldn't throw everything out, you know. I think it's a case of just getting back in. It was a tough game, it's a quality Irish side, they lost and there's no shame in that, you know. I think they'll just be frustrated with how they played at home. Um and it's a quick turnaround and that's the good thing about them and that's what I'd be saying in, in the in the dressing room this week is that's done focus on this week because we can change the narrative and perception within a week we don't have to wait it's it's not the gap week we don't have to stew over this for two weeks it's focus on the next one change that and get the momentum back again and get a win
0: How much did France miss the key players that they didn't have at their disposal how much did that impact the game or was it a complete underperformance
1: ah uh, no I mean the, the, the players they're missing I mean DuPont alone like he played he played the weekend didn't he at 10 for Toulouse yes um, yeah. and like, that's the final game
0: before. but the it seventh. showed his class
1: yeah. I mean alright you know you were work last night we were just going to slot you in at 10 and he did exactly the same things and, and you know he was I just saw clips on, on social media he's just ridiculous do you know he's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous but I said this last week on the show like what I think was the biggest thing for him is his energy and his belief and he does all that kind of dirty work or turnovers or these offloads he shouldn't get off that you know bring all the players around him Mm -hmm. into that game and not enough of the French did that for me on Friday night. Now, as I said, I think they got an absolute slap in the face. Willemsen and the red card, it did impact because you could see on the fault, that's where there was gaps Mm -hmm. and, and Ireland just moved the ball so quickly that it was just, they were always... You know they really exploited that man down, but at the same time, in when they were a full complement, there's I still saw enough from Ireland to say we're winning this game. I thought they were, you know, from Yeah, start regardless of defense, up the red right Yes, yeah. I, I'm not going to give them that out. But um, like the thing about they don't travel, like they've not great history against mm-hmm. Scotland. They don't travel well, so they'd want to be bouncing back pretty quick. But um, uh, yeah, they've. The players are—they're missing now. They're—they're they're big. They're experienced, and I know we took a, ga- a gamble on on Willemson and bringing back a couple. But yeah, I don't—I don't think the pack—the pack will the get you game line ball. They've still great players there, but like, comes back to me for Luke Coonjelber, like, um, like you've Gregory Aldridge, who was um, like, world player of the year and or nomination anyway, but and you didn't get him in the game. He's one of your best carriers. So where are you going to manage this game? That's that's where I think now they have to look at how are they going to exploit Scotland, where are their strengths, mm-hmm. where are their weaknesses, and they have to look at that. So I think there's enough depth now in, in, in France yeah. to you know, to not have excuses, to be honest. Like there was such high hopes of them winning that home World Cup. Like they just can't be extinguished overnight Like as yeah. it's, not, it's not that big a hangover three months <laughs> is enough time for them yeah. to get there and they're playing well in Europe so they have yeah. exceptional world class players they just need to get them singing off the same machine. I, th- I think
2: as well with the individuals that you can go out and play a game you can have two or three players who, who mightn't play to their best and you can kind of get away with it mm. just too many players didn't, didn't, perform. didn't, perform, didn't perform at all it, yeah. and whether that happens again it's probably doubtful you know that you're going to have so many players who don't step up on the day and Yeah, look, I fully expect them to back back, but it's a tough one going to Scotland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ireland now, we're in the driving seat. The players and the coaching ticket won't be getting carried away, but we as supporters can. Back-to-back Grand Slams has never been done in the Six Nations era. You know, we we have this competition in our control now, don't we, Lindsay?
1: Absolutely. Um, The thing about Six Nations and a competition that's so... Well, firstly, it's a test match. Like it's a war of attrition. Every week, there's very little turnaround. It'll depend on injuries. Um, but certainly right now, from what we've seen from Ireland, I'd be very. I think, you know, we were typically Irish friends. We were like, no one mentioned the elephant in the room, and everyone was a bit like wary. And then we won. We're like, yeah, 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 back to back Grand Slams, and we're we're confident now in saying it. But I'm not certainly going to lose the run of ourselves be interested to see what, what he goes does he go for consistency or does he now give uh, young men who deserve an opportunity an opportunity um, I still think now after the performance for Jamie George to come back and say they could still win this championship now was a bit I don't know a bit too confident for me however England away are never easy regardless of how the performance so I still think there's banana skins but if Ireland plays to their potential mm-hmm. and are consistent and build on what we saw on Friday night, then uh, I'd be very, very confident to be history mate.
0: Yeah, the question is, of course, as you said, what will he do when it comes to team selection? Andy Farrell isn't known for making wholesale changes, but will we see a few new faces come in against Italy this weekend?
2: Um, I expect a few, not too many, though. Again, his, his history shows he doesn't like to make too many changes. He likes to keep that momentum. I think he would like to keep it, especially given there's a week break post-Italy so uh, there's an opportunity for players to kind of yeah. rest up and come back in as opposed to okay do we look at the at the Welsh game and I, I don't think they need to do that now I think it's a yeah. case of keep it going give one or two players maybe an opportunity um, but yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to see too many changes boys want to keep that momentum going as they say and it is it's so exciting really when you kind of before the game is are so nervous after then the Grand Slam of course pops up because fixtures kind of fall in your favour a little bit as well okay the England game is going to be you'll take each game one off expect to win this week have a break regroup and then you come in and you go okay let's have two massive weeks here you know and, mm. and look each team are going to pose a different problem you know and everyone's at a different stage each country's at a different stage but I think the Ireland are ahead of where the other countries are and we need to be confident now and back ourselves to go we should yeah.
0: On to the other two games Italy had never beaten England in the Six Nations. It remains thus after the weekend, but they certainly
1: gave them a good rattle in Rome. What did you make of that game? Oh god, it was lovely to see the Italian flair, confidence uh, back, you know, and they outscored try-wise in the England. Um so I thought their tries they scored were absolutely exceptional. Um Ioanni they're like the, I think Freddie Stewart never completed his tackle and up he gets and he made it in so I just think the thing that lets me down for the Italians is their just their endeavour their enthusiasm their flair is brilliant to see but they just can't manage games when they need to like you know they're never afraid to give an off loan you're like no you like you see it <laughs> happening before it happens you're like roaring up the telly but uh, hugely positive start and I was yeah just roaring them on and yeah to be leading at half time and leading throughout the match um they just they were deserving of their win but it just comes back to just always the bridesmaid never the bride yeah. I'm just like if they could just get the game management side of things slow it down when they need to whether that's kick for territory use your set piece uh, just keep the ball put it, stick it up your jumper your granny's jumper hide it if you need to just get yourselves over the line so yeah I, I just hope it's not the same narrative again for them but yeah there were definitely glimpses of probably that confidence we've seen um with Benetton and Zebre just coming in you know and some of their big players coming back,
0: yeah they were seventeen thirteen ahead at half time as Lindsay said, and they played some great it's attacking exciting rugby. what do we learn about England? they were strong enough to see it out. did you see any um of their new attacking game plan coming to the fore
2: um <sighs> Not really. When you hear Bordwick come out and say, I think they were on the pitch um, three times before they played the Six Nations game, is quite interesting because they're obviously doing a lot of um, schoolwork or in behind doing lots of prep. So with Felix Jones coming in as well and everyone trying to input all this new, new coaching staff, it's going to have an input. In, and it's going to take time to embed the strategies they're trying to uh, implement into the side because yeah they just kind of looked a little bit disjointed but look, what they'll say is look we came way at to win and we're just going to grow and you'll hear all those words coming out of them but yeah I just don't know where England are going to go I, mm-hmm. I do I will take the England game for a once off later on in a couple of weeks because who knows what's going to happen regardless yeah. of the form or anything Ireland and England is always huge um, but I just don't know like England were lucky I think you know they just did enough um, it's going to take of- a while
1: they chucked the game plan out after halftime, second, didn't they? Second uh, half, so, they went yeah. Back. Yeah, and I'm like, all this chat about your new style of rugby, and look, I, I absolutely agree with James. Like, you can't, like, you can't just all of a sudden change your philosophy, your ethos, and these players, like the likes of uh, Mario Toje, Marler. Um, that it's not to say they can't play, but like Marler be used to it. With say having Marcus Smith as his ten, and they just play an open, expansive soil, and it's just like whatever is out there they'll just play Mm. that's the style they're going to go but then you've George Ford in at 10 and I couldn't understand then why you left Finn Smith on on the bench like if you're going to make a change you've time now you've this six nations no one really expecting anything for you you're going to have to let the lads just let the shackles off and play but you did it for the first half and then you're like uh oh we could lose this match and you revert to the kind of orthodox style that you are trying to get away from so look easy for me to sit here and say we know it even the new defensive system with Nina Barr and Leinster it takes 14 games it takes so you're asking them to change something really really quickly with not, not an awful lot of time but the best time to change this is during test matches where you're in this cauldron yeah. where you're you can't replicate that in training so just stick by it and you know what stick to your guns and if it works it ha- it can only button proof but you have to let the lads play the system don't have a wobble and get it you know chuck it out the window then because I just think it's counterproductive for me personally
0: if George Ford is out until for the or sorry, if Marcus Smith is out for the rest of the Six Nations, will he stick with George Ford and because of that, will we see them going back to the old guard again?
2: I, I don't really know. I like Personally, I'd like to see Finn Smith have a crack because he's been unbelievable um, for Northampton this year and the back end of last year. Um, I'd like to see, it's, it's year one of a World Cup cycle as well. If you take it like that and Lindsay's right that you kind of if you're going to change, you change now and you stick with it because now's the time because we're, we are so far out. You've got summer tours, you can kind of build on it. If you kind of start like the first half and you're trying to play it a different way and then go back to it, that's fine to do, maybe to close out a game. If you're well ahead, you can kind of shut down. You can have George Ford on the bench for that to come on and just game manage, kick corners, slow the game down, kick three points, whatever play conditions. But for me, I'd like to see them... Like stick with that style. We're going to change yeah. it, right? Let's do it now, and we well, might get some bad results, yeah, yeah. But that's part of it. And normally England don't panic, you know. And and Ireland wouldn't necessarily do what England do and, and make wholesale changes and and play away. The six, they would do a Six Nations. England don't mind coming forth or you know, because it's World Cups that they're looking at mm. initially. And as I say, year one of a of a four year cycle, it's perfect time to embed a new style of play yeah, and there's,
0: there's so many ta- so many talented players at their disposal so if it clicks for them it might be too soon this Six Nations but they could be a real force
1: no they could and, and probably just to build on that point before we move on is that he, I don't understand why he had an opportunity to go for a, a Northampton Saints backline partnership that are used to playing mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. do you know it was a no brainer for me do you know if you're going to take a chance like like they've been playing exceptionally well for and they're used to each other. So that's a very important pairing, do you know, and like for Crowley with Gibson Park, they don't play at province together, but if you had Conor Murray and Crowley you could kind of see if, if that had been the choice just to, to help that partnership and, and stability. But um yeah, I think if England get it right, they have the athletes to to do it. Like Freddie Stewart is an, an, another man mountain like and you're yeah. thinking, oh he's a back you know, mm. he could play in the second row as well. So um Ethan Roots has got um man of the match and and he was he was excellent you know so there's um, there's a lot of uh, positives from England but I just think they're going to take time and I I just think it's patience is going to be the key for them Um, and like Felix Jones you know hopefully he won't come to haunt us but he, he will take time but
0: Will it take 14 games which would in international would be what two years?
2: Yeah, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, yeah year absolutely. And a half, two yeah. Six Nations anyway, you know, and that's. They a lot need of to get
1: some good test games in between um, the Six Nations cycle because that's the difference. And I think you unearthed a lot of like we spoke about Calvin who took his time. We talked about Jack Crowley who actually um, went down on that that tour in New Zealand. We were kind of going, why are you taking you know players from mm. our our provincial setup, our URC, and yet now we we look at it now, but it was a chance for the coach and staff. Um, to have a look at them and bring them back and give them a chance in the senior camp, so it is about now how Steve Borthwick manages that and gets good test games and give players a chance to to just play because yeah. it's confidence. There's, you know, there's no way you're a professional and, and getting an in England set up if you're not worthy of it. Um, but yeah.
0: You'd still be worried about round three, though, and Twickenham, you just... You you can never bet against them. Yeah, there's always that. So, finally, on to the game, which had the most exciting half of rugby, the second half, of course, of Wales and Scotland. Wales were 27-0 down in the principality at 43 minutes, but then they scored four unanswered tries and just came back and could have nicked it in the end.
2: Could have nicked it in the end. I think, looking back, I would have kind of said what would I be happier with getting the win being Scotland or being the Welsh going behind and coming back I think I'd be happier being a Welsh supporter because I guess you look at that side they're such a youthful side um, you expected them to mm. didn't think they were going to get that much of a rollick in they did first half but then it suited them and Scotland's just defence went out the window it looked like a super rugby game and, and there's some decent attacking threats coming yeah. from the Welsh back there and, and just to put them under pressure I'd be so happy being a been a Welsh supporter but Scotland I'd be pretty worried because that's a strong experienced side you have out there and to concede that many tries and pretty poor defensive uh, efforts from Scotland you'd be worried I know that the French up next you know so yeah. I'll albeit at home but there's going to be a lot of tough questions asked this week in the Scottish camp
0: Yeah that was their first win in Wales for 22 years so they'll look at that as a positive but it was almost a complete capitulation in the second half. What side do you lean on? Would you be happier
1: in the Welsh camp or in the Scottish camp this week? Definitely happier in the Welsh. I watched that game and uh, I had my nephews over so I had the three kids and I was like, I'm sorry, we can't start the movie until <laughs> this game because it was so exciting and I was going to turn it off to be honest and Wales came alive. Uh, Wayne Wright today just got them, uh geez, he got some so much from football. He was making line breaks um Rio Dyer then on the wing he probably he made a break uh, oh god and I thought he was going to finish it but he's his meander his run his gain line his metres made um, they just stood up and I think it was uh, the experienced players that they retained at over 400 caps and everyone else had just the bare minimum Like, and they're missing um, uh, Dewey Lake is one of them anyway so the players missing George North should be back this week for, for England isn't that who they're playing um, yes. so he should be back which will add Hugely, but do you know what? The young the young the young men stood up and they weren't afraid to play in the second half and that would give them huge, huge confidence. You know, no one would begrudge them if they lost to Scotland considering all they've been through where they're starting. They really are starting with a clean mm-hmm. slate. Um and I think they have to be very, very proud. The principality was rocking, you could see the passion in them. Um, they were probably a little bit shell-shocked in the first half, but, but they came to life.
0: Yeah, it's the beginning of a new era for this Welsh side. Uh, Warren Gatlin said after the game that, 40, that first 40 minutes was the worst 40 minutes that he has ever seen or coach. And <laughs> um, so they'll they look at the second half and they'll take a lot of confidence from it, as Lindsay said. Um, where do you think this Welsh side can go in this competition?
2: Um, well, I think the next game is going to be huge for them, you know, against, against the English to see because they're both kind of starting afresh, although the English are probably a little bit ahead of them in that regard. But that's going to be a big challenge because I think the English should be a little bit more ruthless than the Scottish if they get their tails up, as as the, the Scottish did. I just think that's going to be a test of character. They can, obviously, they're shown they can't fall asleep or be quiet or be too slow to start an international game because... All of a sudden, you're 20 points behind, if not, if not more, and you're chasing the game. And they're fine chasing the game, but I think they need, this side needs to learn to grow. Um, I think if they come mid-sable, if they come third or fourth, they'll be happy enough, really. If they come 3rd to be brilliant. If it came fourth, that's where I'd see them around fourth.
0: Scotland showed a frailty, of course, in that second half, and they conceded 14 consecutive penalties. So they'll have a lot to work on. How do you think they'll turn up against France?
1: Well, they'll have to be disciplined. Um, I think it just still relies on the, which is terrible to say. I mean, they they were only missing Hugh Jones really. Like, I don't think they were missing too much. They still, to me, looking on paper, the Fagersons were still there, um, Richie Gray, um, yeah, they just still had Finn Russell. Plays a big impact on on how he controls the game. Do you know? And they were sublime at times, and he he is sublime at times. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, um. He just has to be consistent through that game because I think when he's in control, Scotland are in control. Um, and then he can turn on when when he needs. And we saw that in the opening rounds last year, do you know, when they got wins. And, and that's very tough to say to put all that pressure on mm. one player, but that's how good he is, do you know. Um, I think Scotland will have, you know, Gregor Townsend, I'm sure did, and Alex Ferguson, and absolutely chucked whatever he could at the wall and absolutely <coughs> let it because. Um, when you're 20 points ahead and you should have put your foot on the jugular and really just killed them off, you didn't. And that'll be the difference with Scotland potentially winning third or hanging around fourth, fifth, which they could. And that's how inconsistent Scotland are. Yeah. I think there's a lot of chat from them about how good they are. As always. As always. <laughs> but you know what, lads? You kind of need to back that up now with a performance. And I think that's where they need to step up. But... Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, we're chatting about the French. The French, who will come very, very wounded. But like, I'd like to see the pride of Scotland stepping up and yeah. taking a scalp off France if they're really, you know, having reviewed and really feel bad about their per- second half performance. Because, because I'm sure we all seen the meme where Finn Russell's like, "Well, we yeah. got we got over that line by the skin of our teeth." Yeah.
2: I you think Gregor Townsend will will read the riot act completely. Yeah. It'll be a hard week. It'll be a lot of hard conversations with players this week, and I expect them to. To be very focused this week and, and and the challenge ahead, you know, and and there'll there'll be pressure on them, you know, I really will, because if you have like if you lose to France at home, you're okay. You've you've beaten the Welsh away for the first time in was it 22 20. years, so which is great, but your performance, you know, and it's only a stat really to lose at home. That'll be tough because you're la- you're remembered for that last 40 really of oh, we just held on, but geez, we were a terrible second half, and, and Gregor certainly won't like that. Yeah. And he, as I said, he'll read the right act, and they'll be under pressure this week.
0: Well, we'll leave it there for today. My thanks to Lindsay and to James. The Six Nations is up and running and round one was very exciting from an Irish perspective. We'll be expecting more of the same next weekend. We'll be back on House of Rugby next week. Before we finish up, a bit of news. There's a new podcast dropping on joe.ie this Thursday. It's called You Must Be Joking and it features the hilarious Willa White and our very own Eric Lawler. The first episode features Des Bishop so be sure to subscribe. You Must Be Joking and don't miss out. It starts Thursday. That's it from us on House of Rugby. Until next week, Slong go